from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing February the 12th, 2017. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Ryan, VK3GR, and we're together again, Rob. We are indeed. We're helping out just for a week. Getting the old band together. The old band is back together again, and radio bands have been good too. Yes. And uh, Graham, what's he up to this week? Uh, he's just having a week off. So Well-deserved. Uh, yeah, well-deserved week off, Graham, so I hope it's all going well for you. Shall we begin? We shall, Brian. Beautiful. Now let's start with the WIA board talk and your say on the draft WIA volunteer charter. Now revised following feedback from committee volunteers, the draft volunteer charter is now released for wider consultation from the amateur radio community. The draft is based on principles defined by the organisation Volunteering Australia. After working on the draft during November 2016, and revising it to reflect input from the committees, the WIA board now puts it out for further comment before its introduction. Comments must be made via the online WIA consultation form by the 28th of February. And that consultation form is on the WIA website. WIA election ballot. The election of the Wireless Institute of Australia WIA board of directors is being held by postal ballot in March. And this year, all seven positions of the WIA board are open. It's a postal ballot and an information pack will be inserted into the March edition of Amateur Radio magazine. And for those of you who get the digital-only edition of Amateur Radio magazine, it'll be sent to you to your registered postal address. Read the candidate statements and the instructions on how to vote very carefully. The postal ballot closes on the 27th of March. And somewhat uh, related to the AGM and the election is the WIA Merit Award. Do you know of somebody who has made a very worthy contribution to amateur radio or the WIA and deserves recognition? The Wireless Institute of Australia will recognise these achievers, but the actual award given is at the discretion of the WIA board. The criteria, plus a form that has a nominator and two who are in support of the nominee, is on the WIA website. When completing a nomination form, you are not required to suggest which award should be made. Nominations close on March 31st to be announced and, where possible, presented at the WIA's AGM and conference at Handorf, South Australia, on May 19 through 21. And Handorf. Wow. Yeah, it's filling up. The registrations are coming in thick and fast now. The the group uh, organising the convention in Handorf have put together a pretty interesting technical program for the Saturday afternoon and I think that's inspired a lot more people to uh, jump online and register. So don't forget to register for your uh, attendance at the WIA AGM weekend in Handorf in May. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, with a reminder about licence renewals. Listening around 40 metres recently, I heard an amateur musing about renewing his licence and wondering why he had not received an invoice or reminder notice from the Australian Communications and Media Authority, the ACMA. Listening to him, I recalled that, last year, a colleague got a shock when he received a letter from the ACMA saying his licence was cancelled due to non-payment. He was shocked because he had not received a renewal notice before it expired. The ACMA is not obliged by legislation to send a reminder notice to renew your licence. Do you rely on receiving a renewal notice from the ACMA? That's not a good strategy. 
It is every licensee's responsibility to ensure that your licence is paid up by or before the renewal date. The ACMA's process is to send a renewal notice a few weeks before the licence is due to expire. It will be sent to the last valid postal or email address that the ACMA has on record. The ACMA sends notices as a courtesy reminder and to facilitate payment of the renewal fee. It is your responsibility to keep your email, postal and residential address current with the ACMA to receive renewal notices, should they send one. It is recommended that you note your licence renewal date in your diary. If you don't run a hard copy diary, use the one in your mobile phone or your tablet, laptop or PC, or all of them. Some people have taken the step to change their licence renewal date to their birthday or a date close to their birthday. If your birthday falls on Christmas Day or New Year's Day, you have to be a bit creative. If, for some reason, you don't receive a renewal notice in the month leading up to your licence expiry date, you can request one by contacting the ACMA Customer Service Centre on 1300 850 115 or email info at acma.gov.au. Should you not renew your licence by the due date, there is a window of opportunity of up to 60 days when you can renew your licence by paying the licence fee without penalty. Miss that window and your call sign will be available for reissue and it can be a pain to get it back. So, don't give yourself heart palpitations and risk getting a letter from the ACMA advising that your licence is cancelled. If you can't locate your licence renewal date, call the ACMA on 1300 850 115 and check with them. At the same time, ensure that your current email, postal and residential address are correct. Put your licence renewal date on a calendar. My colleague managed to renew his licence and retain his call sign. Phew. More information is available on the WIA website. Just enter Renewal of Licences in the search window and the link is at the top of the list. And don't forget that the WIA will be at the Central Coast Field Day at Wyong on Sunday 26th of February. We will have a few tables there, upstairs, near the lecture theatre. You can renew your membership or sign up for membership and we're happy to have an eyeball QSO if you're so inclined. As the WIA tables will be near the lecture theatre, remember that the annual VHF, UHF, Microwave and Week Signal Group get-together will open for business in the lecture theatre at 11.15am, conducted by yours truly. Immediately following will be Peter Young, VKE3 Mike Victor, Director of the Region 3 International Amateur Radio Union Association, the IARU. He'll be talking on the international governance of amateur radio and the role of the IARU. Peter has delivered this lecture in Hong Kong and Tokyo, as well as a number of amateur radio clubs in Melbourne. Advocacy, education, support, that's what we do. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. For the Central Coast ARC, Ed, DD5LP, firstly, let me make a small correction to what Roger2ZRH said last week. The Wyong Field Day is not back. It never went away. In most of the nearly 60 years of its existence in either Gosford or Wyong, the Central Coast ARC have put their field day on, come rain or shine, on the last Sunday of February each year. In this, the 60th year of the CCARC, we still have the important old favourites like the WIA bookstall and the best commercial and flea market sellers, but we also have a variety of new attractions. How about drone flying demonstrations and a lecture on the new technology to boot? 
How about the latest from the Australian Government's Bureau of Meteorology and their online radio propagation tools? The list goes on and on. Whether microwave or top band, digital or analogue, homebrew or commercial, you'll find it all at the 2017 CCARC Wyong Field Day. Come and make new mates and meet old ones at the Wyong Field Day in two weeks' time, Sunday the 26th of February from 8.30am. Full up-to-date details can be found in the show notes on the WIA website and at fieldday.org.au. That's fieldday as all one word, dot o-r-g dot a-u. For the Central Coast ARC, this has been Ed, DD5LP, VK2JI. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. International news with thanks to the IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, VK123 and 7, local news services, VK3PC and the worldwide sources of the WIA. Jeff Darn, KB3ZUK of Maryland, activated every national parks on the air location in USA's Washington DC area last year. That combined with his prior law enforcement experience landed him as a radio operator for the National Park Service during the presidential inauguration as well as the Women's March in Washington. A net control site was needed on three days' notice and KB3ZUK was able to designate his club's W3HAC facility to serve as the net control station site for amateur radio operators helping those arriving for the Women's March. They connected the club's command post within the National Park Service Incident Command Post via ham radio. Art Feller, W3ART, primary net controller at W3HAC, said in a population the size of a good-sized city, you'd expect normally problems to occur. And in fact, they did. There were times that the crowd got so dense that we had to call from the National Park Service saying, please spread them out, and they took care of that. Mostly, well, it's entirely looking after people and helping their managers to keep everyone healthy, safe and well. It was well documented that ham radio was an essential means of communication for that march. Well done, guys. Always nice to be recognised. Uh, just while I got a sec, Rob, did you know that uh, Handorf was first settled in uh, 1839 with some families who came off the ship the Zebra, and it's named after Captain Dirk Hahn. Let's just move on. There you go. 95 years, a celebration of radio station 2MT. February 14th, 2017 marks the 95th anniversary of the start of the UK's first ever regular advertised broadcast radio station 2MT, which came live from Rittle in Essex. To commemorate this anniversary and to celebrate the young pioneering team of engineers, the Chelmsford Amateur Radio Society will be transmitting from the same building from where the original broadcast commenced. One of their members, Jim Salmon, 2E0RMI, will also be operating a three-day internet radio service, Radio Emma Talk, featuring radio-related documentaries, vintage comedies and live programs from various locations. The first 2MT broadcast started at 7.15pm on February 14th, 1922 from an ex-army Marconi hut, a low long hut, sited in a waterlogged field in Riddle. 
This famous hut is now on permanent display at Sanford Mill, Chelmsford, and can be visited during the summer open days at the mill. Members of the Chelmsford Amateur Radio Society, CARS, regularly transmit to fellow amateur radio hams from this historic hut, and for this celebration, a team from CARS will be making contact with fellow amateurs on February 12 and 14. A special event call sign, GB952MTOC, that's GB5952MT, will be used to mark this occasion. In World War I, RAF phonetic alphabet, Emma, was used to signify M and TOC for T. There's a link there to the RAF radio alphabet too. Very interesting. Okay, in London. London isn't the only place on our planet where old call signs pop up again. Amateur Radio Newsline's Don Wilbanks, AE5DW, asks, When is a novice call sign not a novice call sign? And his answer is simple. Well, it's not. There are no more novice licences being granted in the USA, and that's not by executive order. But don't think for a moment that this doesn't mean that old call signs have gone away, because they haven't. In fact, they're starting to turn up again. Just ask Brandy, KN4AFW who was amongst those to get one last month. According to callsign historian Pete Veronis, NL7XM, this is a freshly minted technician and he doesn't exactly have a freshly minted callsign. It was first assigned 62 years ago to a 15-year-old boy named Chase P. Hearn in North Carolina. So what's going on here? The FCC hasn't gone into retro or nostalgic, it's just issuing callsigns sequentially, as it always has. District 4, where Brandy lives, simply exhausted its supply of KMs and by the time she and the others took their test, the FCC had moved on to the sequence of KN call signs. Sure, this has caused some old-timers to do a double-take. One of these was Brandy's husband, Andrew, WD4RCC, who remembers the old novice class, but KN assignments are going to become increasingly commonplace as other districts exhaust their KM licences too. By the way, the original novice license holder, Chase, is still up on the air, operating now from Virginia, and his call sign of K4AFW is simply an upgrade of the 1954 call sign now assigned to Brandy. Everything old is new again. And now to the weird and wonderful. And kind of following on from the crazy call sign going on, goings on, it's, uh, it's another topic here. What is going on in the world these days, Robert? Now, we've all seen heard about these drones that used to be military aircraft, but it seems the whole world has gone drone crazy. A number of years ago, listeners, I used to work at a place that sold a lot of those little plastic helicopters. I wasn't very good at them. But I did like a bit of photography, and I was looking for a backpack recently, Rob, for my camera roll bits, and surprising to see some of these manufacturers are actually, of backpacks, are focusing on drones now as well. So here's a bag for your camera and all the rest, or you can have this other bag that'll hold five of your drones. Zip open the side, and you can put you know all of your uh, your machinery in there, your little four quadcopter things and, and eight... Your batteries eight, and your charger and stuff. Everything you need, and you know these days, professional drone operators will be rolling up to events on their push bikes, because they're 17 years old, and they're the only ones that actually do these things, because I was terrible at driving this sort of stuff way back when. And uh, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing crazy stuff. We are indeed. Did you see the Super Bowl the other night, the entertainment? I didn't, but I did hear about like a big orchestration of dozens or hundreds. Hundreds, hundreds hundreds. of drones. It was just awesome to see in the sky, all coloured and moving and changing colours. Well, there's something else that's a bit new as well. 
You're going to like this one. I hope so. <laughs> well, it's called an umbrella drone. Okay. It's uh, the umbrella drone. Now, I'm reading here on the pack. The umbrella drone uses tracking GPS technology to follow you around and keep you dry or shaded. So it knows where you are and it follows, which is great. Great uh, work. Train station to work. The walk down the street. Coffee in one hand. Cheese and egg and bacon toasty in the other hand. Headphones in your thing. You don't even have to worry about who's around you because probably 50 of these things covering the entire population of train 8.02 a.m. getting down yeah, uh, the right. main street of the city. You can you just see <laughs> it. Right. You're running late for your train and you're yep. bolting down the road and there's this drone. And if it knows where up. you are based, I don't know, you, you, your phone yeah. or your Bluetooth or something, it, it'll, yeah. if you race down the street, it'll probably catch up with you by the time you get in the building. Well, drones are here to stay. That's one thing for sure. And I hear too that uh, in New South Wales, they've actually decided to make it a year 12 school subject, uh, student subject. Uh, in New South Wales, so there's schools there and there's a bit of a push to try and get it out to the other states in Australia as well. Yeah, so uh, the theory, practical and regulatory controls of drones also bring together other skills such as robotics, reasonable, mathematics, yeah, electronics, yeah, chemistry, okay, coding and programming, I'm up for that. Yeah, well, I think that uh, drones are here to stay, they've certainly got the wow factor. Yeah, 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 I remember my school days, we didn't have cool stuff like that. And it's now to operational news, ham radio operational news, and it's a contact sport. All major Australia contests, rules and results are on the contest section of the WIA website. Here's Felix, VK4FUQ. Ham radio operational news, it's contact sport. I'm Felix, VK4FUQ. Throughout 2017, to celebrate the centenary of Finland's independence, Finnish radio amateurs are allowed to use the prefix OF in place of the usual OH. In addition, the Special Jubilee call sign OF100FI stroke portable district number will be activated by various amateur radio clubs throughout Finland. For QSL information, listen to operator's instructions. Alan, BPA DPJ is at the British Antarctic Territory Rothera Research Station on Adelaide Island, IOTA AN001 until April 2018. QSL via operator's instructions. Yet another Antarctic operator is Alex RN1ANC on the Russian Vostok Station, Antarctica where he will be till February 2018. His call sign again, RI1ANC, and during his spare time, he'll be active on CWSSB and digital. QSL manager is RN1ON. And whilst on a roll, Francois FT3YL is on Dumont Urvel Research Station, Petrol's Island in Antarctica for a one-year stay. He has been issued with the call sign FT3YL, which is valid from the 1st of December 2016 until the 1st of February 2018. He will be on the air when possible during his spare time and his QSL manager is F6KPQ. The Wild Atlantic Way. Irish road amateurs will be on the air in 2017 with special call signs along a West Coast tourism route passes through nine counties and three provinces. The Wild Atlantic Way is 2,500 kilometres long on the rugged coast overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. Some nine call signs EI11WAW through to EI99WAW will be tied to an Irish county each offer a special QSL card and award. The Treaty of the Danish West Indies A special event throughout 2017 celebrates the 100th anniversary of the United States Virgin Islands. The EDR Ham Radio Club of Skanderborg will use the call sign OZ100DBI from January 1 until December 31. It marks the centenary of the Treaty of the Danish West Indies, sold to the USA and renamed the Virgin Islands. OZ100DBI will be on all bands including Sir Activity from St. Thomas Island on the Lake Skanderborg. 
Further information is on the website qrz.com. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1WIA. Well, thanks, Felix. And yes, we should all thank the generosity of the members of the ARRL-affiliated Western Washington DX Club. Why? Well, thanks to the USA Club, Pia Papa Pia, Tarika E51PT of Manhiki, North Cook Islands, is back on the air after more than three decades of absence. Well, His interest in amateur radio started around 1962 as a radio operator working for the Cook Island and New Zealand governments. His primary job was relaying Morse code traffic destined for the Cook Islands and other places including New Zealand, Samoa and Tahiti. Members of the Washington USA Club donated the bulk of the radio gear while K7ADD slash E51AMP helped with the setup of Papa Pierre's station and another North Cook Islands ham as well. Papa Pia is on CW on SSB 80 through 10 metres, running 100 watts to an all-band dipole. Three decades, Rob. It's a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling um, I may have been away from the bands myself a little bit too long recently. Um, speaking of being away too long, um, some people who know me may realise, remember that um, in a previous life I was a purveyor of fine uh, food goods and groceries and things. And I'm really looking forward to going down to the Bierenberg Farm at Harndorf where they have some excellent jams. I do remember selling them, I do remember eating them, and I do remember dropping a case of them once, and they smelt so sweet. I did have to mop it up, but and I didn't mind so much. And when you go to the best hotels around Melbourne and stay, what's on the breakfast platter? Beerenberg. They're the little ones, aren't they? They are indeed. Yep. And now to the 75th anniversary of the bombing of Darwin. The World War II event is to be commemorated, including the call sign VI8BOD that has been issued to the Darwin Amateur Radio Club for a month. There were two bombings, one on Darwin by an aircraft carrier used to hit Pearl Harbour in December 1941. It was followed two hours later by 54 land-based bombers from the Dutch East Indies occupied by the Japanese engaged in war in the Pacific. VI-8BOD will be at the old Qantas hangar in Parat, the home of Darwin's first airport and now an inner suburb. The event starts at noon, 0330 UTC, Saturday 18th of February, until 9pm, and continues 6am through 4pm, Sunday the 19th of Feb. It will include the warning message in Morse code as used at the time and received by Darwin from the mission station Bathurst Island before it was bombed by enemy aircraft. The message said, number of bombers passed overhead, bound Darwin. This will be followed by an explanation of the message and that Morse code was the communication method of the day. The station will feed a tri-band beam antenna on a cherry picker, 40 metre band dipole from the flagpole for voice communication, with Morse code transmissions using a squid pole supported vertical antenna at selected locations. Operating in a public space gives scope for interaction with visitors and club members are able to generate interest and answer any questions about amateur radio. The event is due to start at noon from 3.30 UTC Saturday the 18th until 9pm and again 6am till 4pm Sunday the 19th of February. Many VI8 BOD contacts both nationally and internationally are expected with the club having a call sign for the month. More information about VI8 BOD and the QSL information can be found on qrz.com. 
And while we're on the subject of history and how history was made, let's have a look at World Amateur Radio Day. Amateur radio experimenters were the first to discover that the shortwave spectrum, far from being a wasteland, could support worldwide propagation. Due to the concern noted in the IARU history, amateur radio was in grave danger of being pushed aside. The pioneers met in Paris in 1925 and created the IARU to support amateur radio worldwide. And every year, the IARU marks the World Amateur Radio Day on April the 18th, the anniversary of that date of the founding. The theme is celebrating amateur radio's contribution to society, and several IARU member societies engage in events and activities to mark World Amateur Radio Day always on April the 18th, but, 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 London's getting a sneak preview. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us that World Radio Day London was held on Friday the 10th of February between 3 and 8pm local time, just a few months before World Radio Day. The worldwide event is in its sixth year. The London event was a free radio fair hosted by SOAS Radio with exhibits and workshops and speakers from the BBC, Refugee Radio Brighton and the University of Sunderland The event was co-hosted by the Communication Development Network and Centre for African Studies. So don't despair. If you thought you'd missed out on this year's World Radio Day, well, the proper event is on April the 18th. Thanks to Jim Linton, VK3PC and AR News Lions G4NJH. Moving on to Final Frontier. The first of the QB50 CubeSats that are destined for deployment from the ISS and now awaiting their turn to be uplifted to the International Space Station. In addition to the ISS deployments, it is planned that there will be two further batches launched using other vehicles. The exact timing of these events is not yet available in advance, but a fully updated list of all CubeSats involved is available at the link we list in the text edition, best read on wia.org.au, and look for this week's broadcast. Also included are the details of their science experiments and their downlink frequencies and modulation modes. The frequencies have been coordinated by the IARU Frequency Coordination Team, and generally all of the spacecraft will use 9.6K data rates on 70 centimetres. You can download the XL QB50 frequency spreadsheet at the link provided. In the text edition, of course. Worldwide special interest groups, raw Rotarians of Amateur Radio. The Rotary Club Foundation Centenary VI100TRF. The Rotary Foundation began in 1917 with a meagre donation of just 26.50. To now being able to fund a number of activities for the world, including the eradication of the disease polio. Rotary members have supported thousands of projects to provide clean water, fight disease, promote peace, basic education and grow local economies. The Rotary Foundation is managed by 16 trustees who are Rotarians and when donations are received the money is invested for a period of three years and historically when the investment returns have been strong each $1 has generated $1.05 to $1.10 of monies for the Rotary Foundation programs. Administrative costs are kept low because much of the work is performed by volunteers. Now, Rotary is highlighting the Foundation's work over the past 100 years. Rotarians of Amateur Radio in Australia hit the HF bands for three months from late February to May 
with a special event call sign VI100TRF. Listen out for them, Brian. Great news from the Rotarians. And moving on to Summits of the Air, the last special interest group this week, and an amateur takes an unusual route to soda. Colin Evans, M1BUU, from near Harworth, West Yorkshire, attained Sota Mountain Goat on Saturday 28th of January on the summit of Wernside, GNP004. Colin took rather an unusual approach to his activation of Yorkshire's highest mountain by constructing his equipment whilst on the summit. Colin had taken a QRPME 20-metre Rockmite kit, a homemade key kit, a homemade vertical antenna kit, and a gas-powered soldering iron along with him. Sheltering from the wind, rain and snow in a small tent, Colin successfully constructed the Rockmite key and antenna in just under four hours. The first QSO for Colin with his 250 milliwatt Rockmite was with N1EU near Albany, New York, over 3,000 miles away. The three subsequent QSOs were with European stations, satisfying the SOTA rule requirement of four QSOs to claim the activation points, Soda Mountain Goat is awarded for gaining 1,000 Soda Activator points. It's quite an effort, mate. That was amazing. Put your uh, Not only put your gear together, but you put your whole radio together. Sheltering from the wind, rain and snow in a small tent. And a gas-powered solder gun. Four hours. Imagine you didn't take enough gas. That'd yeah. be, you're nearly there, just not quite enough. Imagine if you left one component behind now the social scene for this year, 2017, Feb 19th, in VK3, Hamfest, Western and Northern District Amateur Radio Club, 10am, Werribee Masonic Centre, 223 Watton Street, Werribee. And on February the 26th, the big one, the Central Coast Field Day at Wyong. Entry starts at 8.30am. March 19th, VK7, Meet the Voice Barbecue, 11.30am at Ross. The barbecue and presentation of the Sewing Circle Trophy will be held at Ross on the banks of Macquarie River on 19th March. And on March the 26th, it's the EMDRC Hamfest at the Great Rari Primary School in Heathmont. Uh, to April uh, 28th to May the 1st in VK4, Clareview Gathering between Rockhampton and Mackay. On May the 19th, it's the VKWIA AGM in Harndorf, some 25 kilometres from Adelaide. Harndorf, you say, Rob? Yes, that's the place Excellent. We're, we're going. Yeah, I think there's a church there on the corner of Church Street and Main Street. Imagine calling it Church Street, right? Anyway, moving on. Uh, now to June 10 and 11, VK5, the SCRG annual convention, and it's also the VK Fox Hunting Championships. And on September the 9th and 10th, it's Alarame 2017 in Cairns. And November 12th, VK5, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest, 8am, in the normal location. I think we've come to the end of this week's news, Brian. Oh, we're finally at the final, final, finally. We are indeed. Well, thanks again, Graham, for letting Brian and I have the news this week. Just a reminder to listeners, don't forget to send in your news stories. And if you're only submitting text and not audio, please write your story as you'd expect to hear it, being read back, and please don't just send links and URLs. Well, until next week, Brian, as we always say, we've reported, you decide. We've reported, you decide.